Thank you, Pastor. Well, I'm glad that somebody responded to the questions. Amen? And so that's encouraging, and we'll do that each night. So you pay attention tonight, and uh, we'll have a question tomorrow night from tonight's message. And uh, you know what? First, I think I need to teach you a little Hebrew, okay? So uh, I'm going to use, let's see, uh, I'll use Aaron as an example, okay? So at home, what you can do is say, Ani. Can you say, Ani? Ani Ohev. Ani Ohev. Say, Ani Ohev. At home, can you say, Ani Ohev? Okay, so say, Ani Ohev. Okay, last word, Shakalad. Shakalad. Now say, Ani Ohev Shakalad. There you go. What did you say? I love chocolate, okay? I love chocolate, okay? All right, good. Hey, let's take our Bibles, go over to Revelation chapter 7, if you would. It's hard in a conference like this to figure in just a couple nights because Revelation has 22 chapters, and there is so much in the book of Revelation, book of Daniel, the minor prophets. The Bible is full of prophecy, and yes, there's a lot about Israel and prophecy in the Bible. And so I've just asked the Lord what he would have me look at and have us, uh, you know, look into God's Word on. So, Revelation chapter 7, look with me at verse 1. Check it out, Revelation 7 verse 1. And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor any tree. Now, the point of that verse, let me just stop and say, what has been happening is, there's judgments falling on the earth. And the call has gone out in verse 1 here to stop all of that. Everything needs to stop because there's going to be a parenthesis, there's going to be a pause in the judgments for what we're about to see. Verse 2, I saw another angel ascending from the east having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom... It was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed. And there were sealed a hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed twelve thousand. The tribe of Reuben were sealed twelve thousand. The tribe of Gad were sealed 12,000. The tribe of Asher were sealed 12,000. The tribe of Nephilim were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Manassas were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Simeon were sealed 12,000. The tribe of Levi were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Issachar were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Zebulon were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Joseph were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed 12,000. And then following that, verse 9, after this, there's a tie there, I beheld and lo a great multitude which no man could number of all nations, of kindreds, and people, and tongues stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and to the Lamb. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Help us as we look at it to be challenged and changed so that your word is not just a matter of routine on Sunday night, 
But Lord, we would really be tuned in to what your word has to say. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. It's hard to believe what a small, unseen virus could do to the world. Isn't it amazing? What something so small and unseen. I read somewhere, somebody wrote that, isn't it funny that the atheists who deny that there is no God because they cannot see Him are hiding in their homes from a virus they cannot see. It's amazing what this virus... I don't think any of us, a couple of months ago, would have thought that all of our schools would be closed... All of the sporting events would be shut down. You can't even go and sit down and eat in a restaurant. Who would have figured? This pandemic has been all over the world, but I'll tell you, I want you to know as a Christian, I'm, I'm personally, and I mean this, I'm disappointed in the response that we have seen because what I think we should have seen is people coming to God and saying, you know what, if this thing is dangerous and if this thing is deadly... We need to get right with God. But instead, we live in a world who does not acknowledge God. And by the way, let me say this. In my study of the book of Revelation, this is exactly what the world is going to do during the tribulation. They're not, and a lot, not all, but there's going to be many people say, but a lot of people are just going to say, ah, we just need to stick together and let's be together alone. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm not together alone. Amen. My Bible says about Jesus, he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen. I don't have to be together alone. Amen. Because I have the Lord. But you know what? It's a shame. I remember when 9-11 happened, I was a pastor. And you know what? We saw people come to Christ. I'm not saying in droves, but I remember people getting saved at that point. I have personally not heard of anyone getting saved as a result of this, and that breaks my heart. Now, I will say I've heard of a few people interested. I have a friend in Israel, and uh, he and I are good friends. We talk and we text back and forth, and, uh, you know, he uses the tracks that we did, and and really good friend, great guy, and... um, I was talking to him recently, and, and he had a, in Israel, he had a Jewish young man. They know my friend as the, they call him the, the Baptist preacher, you know. And, uh, but anyway, uh, this young man contacted my friend, and, and he asked him a question. Let me see if I can get this, uh, let's see, we going here? Hmm, I have a slide on this, and I can't get it to move past. Oh, there we did. Oh, yeah, coronavirus, got that. You see, do I point this a certain way? It's running slow, maybe, but I've got this guy's question coming up. There we go. This is what he said. He said, is this the end of the world as your Bible talks about? And my friend answered him. He said, no, this is not the time of Jacob's trouble. He said, no, this is not the tribulation period. But he told that young man in Israel, he said, you know what? It's coming. The tribulation is coming and you better get saved. Amen? But I was glad at least to know that somebody was interested in what the truth was about. The the book of Revelation is given to us as Christians 
Not to get all puffed up and high-minded that we know what the future is. But I, I got news for you. The one who controls the universe controls what's going to happen. And we have in the book of Revelation what is going to happen. Now, just a little bit of background on the book of Revelation. The Apostle John uh, was there. Yeah, see it? See the map here? The island of Patmos is located... And by the way, if you're taking notes for the school... You better write this stuff down, amen? So there's some school kids taking notes on this. You're going to be quizzed on this. I was talking to Brother Quick about this, so take some notes, all right? Where's the island of Patmos? It's right off the coast of Turkey. It's a Greek island. It's a beautiful place there. It's right off the island of Turkey. And uh, let me see. I need a picture here. There we go. All right, so there's... Now i got a bunch of pictures flying by. Hold on. Let me see. Are you guys controlling this or am I? You, you got it. Okay, back up one slide. Okay, now go forward one slide. There we go. Go forward another slide. All right, there's the island of Patmos. It's a quaint little place. There's about 10,000 people who live on the island of Patmos, and we can move to the next slide, if you will. And uh, so it's a pretty little place, okay? You can see that. And uh, there in the uh, Mediterranean, right off the uh, country of Turkey. And so, but... The Apostle John was here because he was in prison. Back in his day, this was a prison island that the Romans had. Now check this out. Watch this next slide if we can go there. You know, this talks about in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. I'm going to read it for you. John says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And so John is brought up in there into the realm of heaven, and he's going to find out about what the future holds. Okay. You're going to try something to fix that? Okay, no problem. And so, you know, when we think about prophecy, let's go to the next slide. Israel... That works? Okay, thank you. I got it now. I feel better. Okay. All right, and so Israel is certainly going to be in prophecy. Look at this slide. There are a series of judgments, three series of judgments, the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, and the bowl judgments. As you go along through the book of Revelation, it starts out with the seal judgments. That's in chapter 6. Now, in chapter 7, where we are, there's a pause. There's a time out. And that's what we're going to look at. After that is going to come the trumpet judgments, and then finally worse. Here's how it is. The seal judgments are bad. The trumpet judgments are worse. And the bowl judgments are worse, worse even yet. These judgments get worse as time goes along. Because God is trying to do something. Now, let me ask you a question here. Check this out. Why would God send these plagues upon the earth? And there's a couple reasons. Number one, because He's taken back what is rightfully His. We saw that in this morning's service. Not only that, He is bringing judgment on this earth. Okay? But not only that, and I think finally, and I really believe this is important for us as Christians, as we look at the book of Revelation, we must get this first, this last one. God is trying, through these judgments, to get man to repent. 
Now, how do we know that? We, and I'm, I'm going to take a minute because I see some folks writing down. But you know what? God is trying to, listen, I believe in this virus that's going around the world. I believe God, like that young man in Israel who asked my buddy, hey, is this the end? Is this what's coming according to your Bible? I believe that God is trying to get man's attention. And sadly, so many people are just ignoring God through this ordeal. I remember when Katrina hit, you know, uh, you know what the first thing they tried to do down in New Orleans? The first thing they tried to do was they tried to read. The first thing they wanted to do, we got to get the casinos back up and running. My sister lived in New Jersey when Hurricane Sandy hit. And I personally, me and my son traveled to uh, where she lived at there in New Jersey. And she lived right along the coast, right along the beach, in the beach area, about a block away from the ocean. And, and the whole area, Ventnor, New Jersey, that whole town was underwater. And I remember when we got there and, and we were cleaning up my sister's house from that Hurricane Sandy, the first thing they wanted to do, and I remember the governor of New Jersey saying, oh, well, the first thing we got to do is reopen the casinos. It was all about money. Nothing about God. How do we know God's aim is to try to get man to repent? Check out these verses. Look at these verses in Revelation. Revelation 9.20, And the rest of the men which were not killed by these, get it, plagues? What did they not do? Yet repented not of the works of their hands. Do you get the, do you get the correlation between a plague and repentance? Check out the next one. Neither repented they of their murder, sorceries, fornication, or thefts. Look at the next one, Revelation 16.9. They blasphemed the name of God which hath power over these plagues, and they what? Repented not to give Him glory. There's a, a direct correlation between God throwing judgments during the tribulation period and trying to get man to repent and look to God. The final one, they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. You know, in Revelation chapter 6, God sends these judgments begin to fall and there's uh, the seven sealed judgments there, the first four dealing with these different colored horses. In fact, go back to Revelation chapter 6 briefly just to give you a little background. Check out Revelation chapter 6 and verse 1. I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard as if it were the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. Remember the Lamb, He's there pictured again. Now drop down to verse 5. And when He had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. I'm going to tell you what, you think this is bad right now? You know, it's funny, we go to the store, and what can't you buy at the store? You can't buy toilet paper, right, because everybody's hoarding that. And I read on Fox News today, there is a lacking now, are you ready for this? Did you see this article today on Fox News? A lacking of frozen pizza. Did you see that? Anybody see that? Did anybody see that article? A lacking of frozen pizza because people with their freezers are hoarding. And let me ask you a question. How many here have more than three frozen pizzas in your freezer? Raise your hand. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, there you go. Some people, preacher, some other people, right? Hoarding the pizzas, amen. But you know what? You know what? We don't have it near as bad. This time, you know what it says here? You know how bad it's going to be? It, it, it said, look up here. Look at what it says. This, this famine, this plague represents famine. And watch the verse here. And I beheld, lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And what are they weighing out? A measure of wheat for a penny. A penny here is a, day, a, man's, a man's day's wage. A measure of wheat is about one meal. A man's day's wages equate to one meal. Not only that, three measures of barley. Barley was not normally eaten by people. That was more of a food for the animals. But because things are going to be so bad at this time, people will result to eating food typically given to animals. That's how bad things are going to be. Not only that, drop down to verse 7. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast saying, Come and see, verse 8, I looked and behold a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death. And hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. This pale horse represents judgment upon man. And one-fourth of the earth population will be killed right there. It shows how bad it's going to be. Now, when we get to chapter 7, there's a pause. There's a parenthesis. The angel cries out, hold everything. Stop everything. Because there's something I want you to see. There are going to be 144,000 special, unique witnesses for God during that time. And what we're going to see is we need to copy the character of these witnesses first by seeing their calling. Now look here at the seal they get in verse 2. We're in chapter 7, verse 2. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. And so here you have, he says, the seal of the living God. By the way, do you know that here it says God is a living God, amen? He's not a dead God. He's the living God, and I'm glad of that. And this seal demonstrates that this seal demonstrates these 144,000 men belong to God. Now there's another seal or mark during the tribulation, which we learn about. And that's called the mark of the beast. And that's not a seal you want to get. It's mentioned over in Revelation 13. He causeth all, this is the Antichrist, he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or their foreheads that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. People will be given this mark in their right hand or on their forehead. And they can't do business without having this mark or seal. This mark or seal represents their affinity to the Antichrist. And many, many, many millions of people are going to get that. We already have the technology to do that. There's human microchip technology 
that is in use today already. And so uh, these microchips may be used to store health records, provide GPS locations. They're already using this, folks. (laughs) I've been sitting back thinking I could see this technology being used for a situation we have now, right? Because if you could identify everybody and somebody gets this signal, I even wonder if the microchip that is installed or this thing that's implanted could actually detect health conditions. And then the government could figure out, well, who's sick and who's not. Not only that, their location. And GPS uh, coordinates are already being done with this kind of technology. Uh, it's, put, it's already being put in the right hand, in the web of the hand. This stuff's already being used. Uh, the technology is already in place to use it with scanners. You swipe your hand. You go to Kroger, take your right hand, boop. And so the mark of the beast is something that is coming, but this mark is a seal that these people are, their affinity is with God. Now notice their selection. Look at verse 4. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed a hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Now, and, and he lists the twelve tribes. Someone might ask, well, how do we know which Jewish people, which Israelis or which Jews are from which tribe? <laughs> My answer is, well, God knows, you know. I've met people in Israel. I, I kid you not. I've met people in Israel, and they, they'll tell you what tribe they're from. I don't whether they know or not. They they have a certain affinity to a certain tribe that they're a descendant of. Uh, descendant affinity to you know like uh, the history of ancient Israel is a big deal with Israelis, and so uh, I don't know. God knows, right? And so, how do we know who's from which tribe? We don't know, but God knows, right? And so now look at verse 9. Drop down to verse 9. Watch their service here in verse 9. Check it out. It says, I'm sorry, watch the results of their service. How about that? After this, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, kindreds, people, tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. If you look at the language... In the beginning of verse 9, it ties into what just happened in verses 1 through 8. And my point is this. These 144,000 Jewish young men will be used by God during the tribulation early on. They will get saved early in the tribulation, and they will go throughout the world bringing the gospel. Can you imagine this? You're down in South America, and somebody's down in Brazil, and they speak Portuguese, and here come these guys, and they're from Israel, or they're Jewish, right? And they come up, and you know what they're doing? They're sharing Yeshua HaMashiach. They're sharing Jesus, the Messiah, around the world. And that is exactly what is going to happen at that time. They will be used to be witnesses for God during that time. You know, it's going to be a difficult day then. Some could say it's a difficult day now. But listen, do what you can now to be a witness where you are. I mentioned this this morning. God has a reason for this pandemic, this virus going around. 
Listen, maybe there is somebody who's open. When you go to the grocery store, give them a gospel track. Let me tell you something. The happiest people on earth right now should be God's children. Amen? I don't know about you. I'm, I'm thankful I know a God who's in control of everything, right? And I'll tell you what we need. We need today, look at the slide here. We, this slide here says, watch what it says. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And then watch what it says. We need boldness in our witness as we, I don't mean brashness. There's a big difference between brashness and boldness. I don't think we ought to run people over with the gospel. But we ought to have boldness. Now, I want you to see their song. You've got to change chapters here. Stay with me. Take your Bible, go to Revelation 14. There's basically two chapters in Revelation that talk about the 144,000 witnesses. Boy, that'd be a good question, right? Chapter 7 and chapter 14 of Revelation talk about these 144,000 witnesses. Look at their song here in chapter 14, verse 1. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him a hundred and forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of trumpeters, or, or harpers, harping with their harps, sorry. And they sang, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the four beasts, and the elders, and no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. The Apostle John gets a glimpse of these guys in the future when they're in heaven, and what do they have? A new song. I'll tell you, despite what they go... And by the way, these guys are going to go through the tribulation. They get saved at the beginning of the tribulation, and it's likely they're going all the way through it. And here we see them standing before God, singing this new song. Aren't you glad that no matter how bad things get, we have a song, amen? And we have a new song, amen? And by the way, I meant to mention this, and I'll say it right now. I really appreciate the music. The quartet that was done this morning was great. The music that's being played is great. The song tonight and the music, the, uh, the music service part is outstanding. Thank the Lord for Good quality Christian music here. And these guys will have this new song. Listen, don't let things get you down. Amen? Look up here. The Bible says this, Romans 8, 28. And we know what? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His service. God has a plan in what He's doing. And we, we can take comfort in that. And so... We see the character of these witnesses we ought to have. Not only that, or we ought to copy their character. Look at their character mentioned here in verse 4. Check it out. We're in chapter 14. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. Notice their purity. They're not married, they're single young men, and they're single-minded. Their desire is to be a witness for God in that special, unique time during the tribulation. 
Notice their pursuit. Look at it in verse 4. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. This is no trivial pursuit on their part. These guys follow him, and that's what we need to do. Amen? Can you say amen? That's what we need to do. If you're at home, uh, is um, let's see, Brother Young, Brother Young here? Yeah, Brother Young. Can you say amen to that? Amen, brother. Uh, let me tell you what I did today. I sat down and I went through the entire directory of this church, and I, memorate, I memorized every family from the past directory. Uh, you want to hear all the names? I'm, I'm joking. I didn't memorize all that. Um, and, but you know what I did? I looked at every single family's picture, and I appreciate the families of the church here. But you know what? Here, God is going to do something unique. Look at their placement in verse 4. Check it out. Verse 4, the end of it. These were redeemed from among men. They had to get saved just like anybody else, right? And by the way, if you're here tonight never been saved, that's something you need to do. If you're tuning in by YouTube or you're watching by Facebook, if you've never been saved, now's the time to do that. This, this viral pandemic should shake you and make you realize life is short. And the day of salvation is not tomorrow, it's today, because you don't know that you have tomorrow. What we have to do is come to God and say, God, I know I'm a sinner, and I believe that Jesus died for me on the cross. He was buried and rose again from the dead. Tell God you're sorry for your sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And accept what He did for you, right? So these men did that. They were redeemed from among men. Look at verse 4 again. Check this out. Being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. What are the first fruits? Anybody know what that is? What's that talking about? These are, these 144,000 Jewish young men, or Jewish men from the tri- different tribes, they are redeemed. They are the first fruits. What, what imagery is that? Well, in Israel, you know, and I, I was telling somebody today, even today, I mean, today they have a 10 month growing season. If you look at Israel, it's real long from north to south, real long. Now, driving across the country is easy, you know, but going north to south, it'd take you all day to get from Dan in the north all the way down to Elat. Trust me, it'd be a long haul. I've never done that. I've driven from Tel Aviv to Dan, and that right there is almost five hours. And so, but they have a 10-month growing season. And man, you can get fruits and vegetables. I'm telling you, the best eating is in Israel. It's unbelievable. And the fruit and vegetables that are in the supermarkets were in the field yesterday. They weren't carted across the country from California or somewhere, you know. But the first fruits here is when a guy, when a farmer got, he grew his crop, and when he got the first picking, the first harvest, the first things he harvested did not go into his house. They were given for God. The first fruits. You know, preacher, I had a guy in my church years ago. His name was Bobby Bradbury. I kid you not. He was the greatest gardener I've ever known. Have you ever known someone? That guy can just, he can grow anything, right? And every year, he would bring me a bag of tomatoes and say, these are my first fruits. The first tomatoes he would pick, he gave to me. The first corn he would pick, he'd get, man, I'll tell you, that's the kind of guy you want to have in your church, amen? And, and you know what? I mean, the first fruits of that man's garden I got every year. And one day, he he brought some to me, and he looked very serious. He looked very serious. He said, Preacher, I've read in the Old Testament 
what they did with the first fruits. And he said, I know we don't live back in that time, but as far as I'm concerned, you're the man of God. You're the closest thing I can get to God as far as person to person. So I'm going to give these to you. Amen? So you know what you learned from the message tonight? You want to have a good garden? Give the first crop to the preacher. Amen? Right? But you know what? Here, these men, these 144,000 are the first fruit. You know what that tells me? I think they get saved early on in the tribulation. They're the first fruits, the redeemed. Now look at verse 5. And in their mouth was found no guile. There's no deceit. These guys speak the truth. And that's the way the gospel needs to be maintained. We live in a world of deception. Would you agree with that? Say amen. Brother Carpenter, you here somewhere? Brother Carpenter, I thought. Okay. Oh, yeah, Brother Carpenter. We live in a world of deception. Amen, right, brother? I'm just I'm going around. You pay attention on YouTube or Facebook because I'm going to call your name. And if I say, listen, you know what? They have some places, some churches have the technology to know whether you're tuned in or not. Now, I don't know that we can do that here, but I know God can. Amen. God knows whether you're tuned in or not. If you're not paying attention at home, I might just call your name, amen? But you know what? Listen here. Now I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. We live in a wicked world. People are deceived. Isn't it sad what they teach children? They teach them evolution. Evolution is a deed of the devil. I'll tell you what. You know... (laughs) I was doing vacation Bible school one time, and I get kind of animated, and I was all charged up. And the kids, it was right before we got started in the evening at vacation Bible school. And I was talking to the kids, and I said, this is going to be a great week. We're going to have games, and we're going to have Bible study. We're going to talk about Jesus. And and there was a little black girl, and she went, I said, what's wrong? She said, what you said. And I said, what are you talking about? We're going to have games, and we're going to talk about Jesus. She said, you said it again. And you know what she was thinking? That Jesus was a cuss word. That's all she knew. The only thing that little girl knew about Jesus was his name was a cuss word and not to be said. That's the day and age we're living. We're living in a day and age when when grown adult people who have been educated believe we need to teach children that they have a choice in what gender they are. Now, I'm just telling you, we're living in a wicked day, a deceptive day. But these men here, it says, in their mouth was found no guile. Look again at verse 5. They are without fault before the throne of God. What great testimony. This group of 144,000 Jewish young men will have a great impact on the world. And let me say this. Check this out. This is a good question for uh, Brother Quick, for students. How will people get saved or get the message of salvation during the tribulation? There's four ways, okay? First of all, these 144,000 Jewish preachers are going to give the message. There will be two witnesses we know that will give the message. God will even provide a heavenly angel to fly through the sky and proclaim what's called the everlasting gospel, if you read about it. And finally, Christians will give the gospel. Four different methods of giving the gospel during 
the tribulation period. You know what? We should pray for Israel. They need to be saved. And you know what? They will get saved. Check this out. Paul says, look at this, Romans eleven twenty six, and all And so all Israel shall be saved. Now, I know that's stored in the tribulation period. But I'll tell you what, we ought, to, we ought to pray for them now. And you know what? The character of these 144,000 Jewish young men, they are going to go throughout the world giving the gospel. And that's something we need to duplicate in our lives. There are bad things coming. You think the pandemic is bad? <laughs> this is cake. This is cake to what's coming. Okay? And we need... Uh, you know what? This viral pandemic should motivate Christians to try to reach people for Christ. I'm just going to reiterate this. Take tracts with you. Remember what I said this morning. You cannot give out a tract that you do not have. It's very simple. Okay? When I leave my... I'll tell you, I'll tell you, gentlemen. Listen, man. I'm talking about man-to-man. This is something man-to-man. If I leave my house and I don't have gospel tracts in my pocket, I feel I am not properly dressed. I'm not properly dressed. You can ask my wife. I take tracks with me. I put them in my truck. I have a 1998 uh, Toyota 4Runner. has 280,000 miles on it and runs better than any car you have. And you know what? I've got gospel tracks in that Toyota 4Runner. You know why? Because I never know when I'm going to need them. You can't give out a tract that you do not have. Pray for people to get saved. You know what? This time, you never know. Remember what I said, and I'll finish with this. Watch for opportunities that God puts right in front of you. About little, little maybe two weeks ago, I was out behind my house, and, and my house was built in 1976 by a Baptist preacher a black Baptist preacher. He was a beloved man in the black community, and somebody gave that man 40 acres out in the country. And he built a modest house that I now own. And he gave off land, he broke off land to some of his kinfolk. And now, down the road, down the street from me, we're out in the country, okay, so I'm talking down the road... Down the road, there are black families down the road. There are five black families down the road, all related to Preacher Manning, who built the house where I live at. And uh, I've witnessed to several of them. But the other a couple of weeks, about two weeks ago, I heard a chainsaw running, and I thought it was a house. I didn't know that guy. And so I, I drove over there. I jumped in my truck. I drove over there, and I got out, and I walked out, and that, that guy, was his name's James Manning. James Manning is 80 years old. Have you ever seen somebody 80 years old and he's out running a chainsaw? You ever see someone? Isn't that great to see? Amen. And that man was running that chainsaw and I, came, I kind of scared him. He's a short guy. Uh, and, and I said, hey, I'm sorry. I said, uh, hey, I'm your neighbor from up the road. He smiled. He gave me a big smile. He said, you are that preacher, aren't you? I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, yeah, it's good to see you. I said, well, sir, I just came over to see if you needed help. I, I, I said, I have a chainsaw. If you want me to get my chainsaw, I'll come over. He said, no, sir, I do this to stay in shape. Amen. Hey, if you want to make it to 80 years old, run a chainsaw. Amen. If you want to make it to 90, make it a steel chainsaw. Amen. But anyway, 
<laughs> that fellow that fella was out there running that chainsaw. And you know what? I didn't go over there just to help him cut his trees. And he didn't allow me anyway. But I got to stand there for 15 or 20 minutes and tell that James Manning about Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ did for him on the cross. All I'm saying is this. Look for opportunities. Because God may put something in your path that gives you a chance right now, you know, to help out. Maybe, maybe find a neighbor. Maybe, and I understand we got to be cautious and careful. I'm not slighting that at all. I'm not. I get the seriousness of this. But we, st- we have a serious issue with giving the gospel to people as well. Amen? And we ought to take that message seriously and try to reach our neighbors and friends and family for Christ. Amen? Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father, thank you, Lord for your grace and your goodness. And Lord, we pray like these 144,000 Jewish young men who take the gospel throughout the world during the tribulation, Lord, that you would help us to have that character now. That, Lord, even now we would be willing to watch for opportunities to share with others. Lord, we're living in a bad day, but there are worse days ahead. Help us to warn the world about what's coming. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.